You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Brent Bergham, the host for this show, and I am joined by a special guest co-host, Mary Melanconico. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, Brent. How are you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? How, and tell me, what have you shot recently? I'm just, I always like to start out with, what have we shot recently? What have we been doing? Well, like many of us, we've been uh, quarantined in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really shot that much, but I did recently go on a trip um, to the um, Columbus Zoo. And I also got a, a chance to go up to the Ohio um, State penitentiary which um is where they filmed the shawshank redemption oh nice and got to go on a tour there um so i that's the two things i've shot lately um i've been really busy converting my classes to the online format for the fall because we're going to be doing online format so i haven't really gotten out to shoot that much um the other thing is a lot of a lot of the gardens here have been closed sure although recently two of my favorite gardens just opened up so i'm going to try to get out uh, this week. Awesome. To do some shooting. Very nice. Now, so you're a teacher, certainly, uh, for folks who may not know, you teach in roughly the same field, the same idea that I teach, where it's photography, graphic design type stuffs, and some web design stuffs. And so you said your school is going completely online uh, for the fall semester. Correct. We're announcing actually this week to the students, but the faculty was was told back in May to prepare yeah. Um, because New Jersey was the, the college I teach in is New, is in New Jersey and I, we, New Jersey was very hard head as was Eastern Pennsylvania. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing um, for the most part, uh, learning some new technology to, you know, teach my classes online and then also doing, you know, demonstrations online. So yeah. it's been an interesting learning curve. Uh, I never thought that I'd be doing that, but couple good things have come out of it. We're going to be uh, considered a laptop college now. So all the all my students will be getting a laptop and the software. So they can't say, oh, I don't have the software, so I can't do my homework. So nice. that is going to be a good thing. Absolutely. That's nice. Brent, what have you been shooting lately? Yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's an interesting <laughs> last couple of weeks, months. Uh, I haven't been here on Master Photography for a while because uh, we just got so tied up in selling our home and fixing it up and, and all sorts of things. And then, uh, buying a home and just so many things up in the air. And then I did get out once school was over. So our house closed on June 12 school graduation was June 14. So June 14 afternoon, I was up in the Palouse. Uh, I had also gotten in there in May as well up with a friend and uh, who used to live there and he just knows it like the back of his hand because he lived there for so long. And so I've been shooting in the Palouse and then I also got again to uh, Palouse Falls. So over on the Latitude Photography Podcast, I've got an episode about that and on my YouTube channel, uh, I've got that episode where I show everything and talk through it in Lightroom and all that good stuff about shooting panoramas in the Palouse. And that's all I did uh, for that episode awesome. because... That's basically almost all I shot. I certainly got other sh uh, shots, other great images, I think. But there was such a high keeper rate or a high, you know, balance towards the panos idea. And I was like, 
Well, I think this is this is something I I was really pleased with how that came out, and I, it was my point also to get to some different spots that I haven't been to and I've not seen others get to. I'm sure others have. I mean, let's face it, the Palouse is over photographed like mad, but but to just you know have that new experience for myself, uh, it was it was very valuable and very ah uh, therapeutic. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yes, definitely, <laughs> it was um, wonderful. I, when I did go out and was in Ohio and shooting, it was just really, I it was like my soul was restored because with my camera back in hand and moving around again, it was awesome. Yes. So, yes. It, and uh, we'll just remind the listeners that we'll put those links in the show notes. Absolutely. So you can see the, um, the video and stuff. Let's do that. We will definitely be there in the show notes. And uh, as far as classes coming up our, our fall quarter, we normally start in late September because we're on the quarter system, but we've decided to start early. Uh, but we are coming back to campus, and this what's interesting okay. about well, what's interesting about our school. Let's say maybe versus your school, that has a, some of us a little bit on edge because we're in very rural eastern Washington, and yes. the COVID basically, for lack of better description, you know, you can tell anyone can tell me I'm wrong. That's fine, but it almost doesn't exist out here because it's just so rural, and this is the embodiment of physical distancing. Um, exactly. So it's it's just it hasn't been running rampant in our area, and so we've been very fortunate in that case. But that doesn't mean that you know any restrictions or anything like that have been absent either. <laughs> we've still had those things coming through, but our students come from all over the nation, and so yes. when you know when we split this last uh, spring quarter. You know, I had students go back home to Alaska and Texas and Florida, all in this one class of like 12 or 15 students or something like that. And so they're just just vastly dispersed. And so for them to all come back, you know, most folks, especially those that are in the planning stages, they're all like, you know, what what do we do? How do we handle that and, and whatnot? So we've decided we're not going to send them home for Thanksgiving just to come back again. We're actually starting early. And then we're going to have a really long extended break for winter, which I'm like, yes. <laughs> and yes, exactly. And I'm just thrilled about that. Not only because maybe cross my fingers, I'll be able to travel somewhere, but I just, the, the time with family, the time to, to recoup from what is bound to be a one bugger of a quarter is just going to be, it'll be interesting to to get well, through this quarter. I, I don't know if you'll be able to travel, but I'm sure your wife's going to have a, a a big honey-do list for you at the new house. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And I'll be making my own uh, we got a um a property with uh, 4.8 acres and oh, wow. it's going to have it has a 2800 square foot shop on it as well. Wow. Beautiful concrete floor, well, I mean it's a beautiful shop. I'm going to take about five to 700 square feet of that and make my own fine art printing studio. Awesome. And YouTube studio and, and, and podcasting studio. And so I will be definitely working on that as well. Uh, and that's probably what my, my winter break will be about completely. So, uh, so there's many awesome possibilities coming through as well. And I'll talk more later in the at the tail end of the show about my latitude photography school and a special that I'm running uh, for that. But uh, it's it's just lots, definitely lots of things going on, and uh, it'll be an interesting quarter as we navigate 
these these challenges that we have uh, in our institutions of higher learning and trying to do our best to be effective, but also uh, certainly keep safety as our top priority. Absolutely. So let's get on to today's main topic. And Canon had a big announcement just moments ago. We were both uh, sitting here watching it. And if anyone is curious, at, in the show notes, at the, at the bottom part of the show notes, I just basically made an outline. As they were going through, I just kind of made comments of what was being covered. So if you want to see that outline, it's there. We're probably going to not go in that order, but it's there if, if that's of value to you. You want to see that. So you can look at that in the show notes. But uh, Mary, give me your initial thoughts. What's just your initial reaction of, of these Canon announcements? And what is, what's resonating with you about this new gear that they announced? Well, I was looking for a couple things going into the announcement. Um, I was looking for uh, in-body stabilization um, because the EOS R that I currently have did not have that. Um, I was looking for to see if they were going to add in the dual card slots. And then I was really looking uh, to see their, if they were going to announce any lenses. Specifically, I was looking for like a 100 to 400 um, or longer and then I, I'm looking also for a, a macro lens, a 100 or 180 macro lens. Um, in terms of the cameras, I think we got pretty much what, you know, uh, was was leaked yeah. in terms of the different camera cameras. So I, I, I'm really feeling pretty great about the the lenses. The thing that I was most excited about was the lenses. Sure. And, you know, it sounds like they met, each of your items except for that idea of a 100 or 180 somewhere in that range on a macro lens because i i i can certainly resonate with that too that that canon 100 the ef 100 or the the 180 was an f 3.5 i think both very gorgeous beautiful workhorses of of just fine quality macro lenses and they did announce an 85 F2, but it only goes, and they put the macro in the name, but it only goes what they call life si- or half size uh, macro. And yes. I was like, you know, that's respectable. That's fine. And I could see a portrait shooter really loving that because you're going to be able to get in really close if there's an interesting detail on the body, whether it's an eyeball like they were showing on the, on the video or whatever you know maybe it's a close-in on the hands if you're a wedding photographer maybe it's some other intricate detail that you just want to get close to and really get all that detail that's going to be an amazing thing for you but a true macro would go one-to-one life size uh you know what you see yeah that's what we need yeah that's what we need what you see in front of you is represented 100 percent size on the sensor and while I rarely get myself when I'm doing macro I think I rarely get to that full one-to-one that half to to the one to one. That's the range where I do hover in, and it's uh, it would be nice to when they finally release that lens. But you know, we got the image body stabilization or the in body stabilization, I should say, and we got a plethora of new lenses. And in particular, it sounds like you're most interested in that one to five hundred they announced. So tell me a little bit about that and why you like that lens. So they did announce the RF one hundred to five hundred f. 4.5 to f7.1 um, in body stabilization um, in the lens. Um, it has five stops of in in lens stabilization, and then it also has um, three new 
image stabilization modes. Say that 10 times fast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's the lens that I, I'm missing from my kit right now. I don't have kind of that intermediate to long focal lens. So when I want to go out and um, do some other shooting, I don't, I don't have that. And that looks really, really good. Looks like it's coming in at about uh, $2,699. Right. Um, is about what they're charging for most of their pro level lenses. Yeah, it's about what the one to four hundred, the EF one to four hundred version two was uh, roughly that price. This is a half a pound lighter than that lens, mm-hmm. which is nice. You know, as a travel photographer myself, I always like that savings on the on the weight. So that's always that certainly is nice. The same filter size, so seventy seven millimeter filter size, so that's awesome. And then of course you're going to have the the weather resistance and the like of, of their standard L lenses. So definitely looks like a good addition. Um, one thing that I think, you know, as far as my initial assessment of, of all of this thing going on and, and their announcements and the like, while these things, these, this gear that they released, I'm impressed by, there's a certain part of me that just says, you know, the rumor mill was so accurate. It's almost kind of a bit of a letdown. And I don't know that it's Canon's fault, it's whoever, you know, went against the NDA and non-disclosure yeah. agreements and leaked it out to Canon Rumors and the other places. And so pretty much everything was not a surprise today. There's just something, I, I guess the, the 85 F2, for some reason, that one didn't come onto my radar. But uh, so that one was sort of a surprise for me. But mm-hmm. um, I hadn't heard about the um, the 600 and the 800 millimeter. Oh yeah, which has which has an f11. Um, it has the stabilization, um, but it's a fixed stop f stop at f11. Yeah, but for that's, the price that's point, at six ninety nine for the six hundred millimeter, and eight ninety nine for eight hundred millimeter. I mean, that's that's going to be something that I might have to try. I think you're right because at that, well, there's two things about these lenses that are really impressive to me and. I, it was interesting the the guy that was announcing these he's just like you know this trade-off is it comes with you know these benefits and basically he's talking about the trade-off of fixed f11 you know that would probably change my shooting style a little bit because i usually lock my iso in at whatever i want it to be at and then i'll let my f-stop and shutter speeds go well here you don't have a choice on your f-stop it is f11 but it's also such a compact lens when it's put away, it kind of, you know, just you push it together. And when you're using it, you extend it like a telescope, like an old style telescope that you'd have, you know, on the high seas, so to speak. So the fact that they went with this design to make it ultra compact, this is very intriguing to me because now I can have an 800 millimeter that's easily hand holdable. But then it's got the F or the image stabilization in lens, and you combine that with the in-body stabilization on both of these cameras, and you've got a really good solid system that just might get you some really sharp images with a little bit of practice, and you can really super reach out whether it's birds or other wildlife or you know what else you can shoot with that. I guess sports possibly, but again, F11 is not going to be probably fast enough for most sports ideas. But, you know, even Rick Salmon, when he was on there, he's saying, uh, you know, he's been shooting at, I think it was 10,000 ISO and they're just coming out beautifully. 
And so that with the new cameras, uh, with better ISO performance, you know, it's, it's a win-win all the way around. Oh, absolutely. And they also announced two new extenders, uh, a 1.4 and a 2X. The 1.4 is coming in at uh, $499, and the 2 is coming in at $599. Um, not sure if I'd use the extenders with these, the 600 or the 800, right? Because of the the light stoppage, but certainly I could, I would do it with the the new 500, the one sure. to 500. So, yeah, because that would get then get you a thousand. And your AF is still going to work because the the contrast AF, if the phase detections, you know, go out on you, you still have the contrast uh, AF capabilities of these cameras. And so that's another nice thing where on my, you know, my 5D Mark IV, when I would put the 2X extender on my 1 to 400 lens, I could go out zooming out to roughly 250 to 300 on the mm-hmm. lens and of course at the 2x so you just multiply that by two but that would be the range where the af would just no longer work and exactly. that you know that's just the nature of the, the difference now if i were on the live view of course i could use contrast focus but if i'm just using the you know the phase detect in in the standard slr style dslr style it just doesn't work anymore and here we just have greater capabilities of continuing with, with our AF, continuing getting longer reach and better stabilization, so it's a good evolution of the of the systems, uh, giving us even more and more capability in roughly the same size or maybe slightly smaller packages. Correct. Yes. So if we look at the lenses, in addition to the new camera bodies, the new uh, they, they introduced two new features. It was called eye and head detection. Right. But they also introduced something called animal detection for autofocus. And in the animal detection, it said eye, head, and body autofocus in animal detection. So combine that with these new longer lenses, I'm not sure what that does. Um, Is that going to give us a lot of good auto tracking in terms of, you know, shooting a bird or a moving animal? Um, so it, it's going to be, I think, interesting to see how the new camera bodies with these new lenses are going to interact, um, especially with the autofocus. Absolutely. This, you know, they, the, and the, the different types of uses for that autofocus, you know, cause they had Lindsay Adler talking about it. She made a comment about how she was just like deathly afraid, deathly scared of ever shooting at F1.2, like an 85 1.2, because that depth of field is so shallow. You're just never going to, you know, the, the confidence that she had in nailing the shot just wasn't there. But now with this very accurate eye tracking autofocus, it's really working well for her. And so she was shooting F1.2 very confidently and getting good results. Then you move to someone like Rick Salmon, which I'm going to plug next week's episode of latitude photography podcast he's going to be on again and he's going to talk about this gear and he showed i was kind of disappointed because they only had him on the announcement thing here for like three or four minutes uh but they showed some of his pictures where he's photographing some birds and that's another thing they specifically mentioned was dog cat and bird bodies i thought well that's interesting so they're you know they've programmed the 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 camera to be thinking about you know tracking 
not just the face, not just the eye or, or, the, or the head, but to recognize the body as well. So like if you had, you know, a wolf trotting across the, you know, the frame, it should be able to recognize that as a subject you probably want in focus and track it and yes. continue to focus along with it. And then birds as well. That would really be beneficial. You know, I think I don't go very frequently up to, uh, there's a place in Idaho, a couple, three hours away where the Eagles is amazing in September and uh, later into the season too, sometimes you can get some of the first frost with them and whatnot while they're still feeding. And um, when I go there with my 5D4 and the 100 to 400 lens, you know, my, my keeper rate and my tracking and all that stuff, there's just a lot of practice you need to do in order to get some good images. Exactly. All of a sudden here, we've got the camera itself following the body of the bird i'm just like that would be amazing so yeah i'm going to talk with rick more about that and he's got hands-on experience so uh that'll be pretty exciting to to learn more about what that really means for those of us who do shoot the uh the wildlife like that and the nature types things like that but for those who shoot the portraits you know they had they had um lindsey adler and sal sincata very much just like the AF is amazing and, yes. and they were very pleased with it. Well, and I think the, um, in terms of the autofocus, um, the R5 has the 100% autofocus point coverage, the, you know, 1,053 autofocus points. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It, that's beautiful. Um, I love it. And so, I mean, you really can, you know, track something pretty nicely with that. Um, and, you know, really get your, your focus point right on. Um, they also, it looks like they upgraded the electronic viewfinder on the R5. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be brighter or a little bit better. So it's also um, got the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth now. And with the image stabilization, I mean, it's, it's 1.43 pounds. Yeah, I body mean, only, yeah. Body only. And, I mean, that's great. I mean, because no one wants a, a heavier bag. Right. Um, everyone wants less, you know, less poundage to carry. Right. <laughs> now, I think the big thing that um, I'm not sure about, both in the R5 and the R6, is the video. Um, I don't do a lot of video work. Right. Um, in terms of doing, you know, 4K or 8K video. So I'm going to have to defer to you on that. But what do you think about the new video capabilities with these new cameras? Well, certainly being able to shoot 8K video, I'm, I personally am not a huge video person either. However, um, I, I say that as it relates to the work that I do creatively and the work that I do for, um, you know, I'm a, basically I'm a photographer. I'm not a videographer, but I have been doing a lot of video, whether it was last quarter to get my lessons online or, you know, Last year when I brought out my print course and the like, uh, certainly I do a lot of video like that and first doing things like on YouTube and such. And so the ability to shoot 8K raw in the 5D, or excuse me, <laughs> in the R5, for those videographers that want that and need that, I'm sure they're just all over it. And then you get the 10-bit color, uh, you got the Canon log uh, specs for doing some type of HDR that they're saying 
this is where I also get a little bit out of my comfort zone and talking specifically about, but also Jeff and I did talk about this a little bit ago, uh, several weeks ago here on the podcast because Canon actually released all this video information uh, already. And I thought that was interesting for them to kind of have a pre-release announcement on their video stuffs. But I'm kind of the, of the idea, even 4k is overkill for me because I do yes. lessons online and I just don't see myself trying to take advantage of 4k. Now, the thing that does interest me is if you wanted to do a screen grab, you, you do have, at least on the, the R5, I haven't verified this on the R6 yet, but you do have uh, the, the no cropping scenario happening. So yes. like with my 5D4, when I switch to 4K, it crops in to about roughly 75% of the width of the sensor. And so getting 4K at 120 frames a second is pretty sweet because that's still a lot of detail and if I wanted to grab that, make that screen grab and, and go print that or otherwise, you know, use that as a separate graphic, you got a lot of resolution still there. And that's pretty nice. Exactly. Now, the other interesting thing I thought um, we should bring to our listeners attention is that both these cameras now do have dual slots. Yes. Um, the R5 has an, uh, an SD and a compact flash and the R6 has two SD slots. Right. Yeah, the CF Express you, on the uh, R5. Yeah. And what what do you think about the um going with a compact flash? Well, they need that for that 8K raw. You know, your your data throughput is while it's the on the SD, it's the UHS2 SD. Uh if you're looking to do that video either 120 frames or the 8K raw recording you're just going to need that so I, I think that was a matter of necessity as okay. far as what i'm going to use i don't see myself ever using that i have ever since i uh, upgraded to the 6d long ago uh, i've always used the sd card and Correct. that's yeah. that's really been a matter of convenience too because my max at us you know for a while they had the sd card built in and it just didn't make sense to me to use a compact flash card. So the fact that they have the CF express, it's, it's wonderful, but it's not something that personally for my use, uh, I'm going to go crazy with. And if I were to do the R six with dual cards, I suppose I could see myself using that, but I would write to one card and then tell it to write to the next when the first card is full, just so I would keep shooting rather than worrying about, you know, my dual data as it were. Yes. Well, but we're not wedding photographers, so right. <laughs> I'm sure the wedding photographers out there will need that. Yes. Um, and if I were, did shoot weddings or even just standard, if you will, standard portraits, I would absolutely do that because you want that extra insurance when you're, when you're dealing with that type of client. When it comes to, you know, I suppose you could make the argument, well, when you go to, you know, let's say Dubrovnik or Greece or wherever else, why wouldn't you want that same type of of security in your images? And I, exactly, I, I yeah. guess I can see that. I, I can see that argument. And that, that starts to make sense to me. But in all my years of shooting, I've literally, maybe I should knock on some wood here, but I've literally never had a problem with a card going bad 
uh, an SD card or any other card going bad on me while I'm shooting, while I'm transferring, whatever the case is, it's just never been an issue for me. And, you know, I, I could, again, I can hear the listeners out there saying, but it will happen or something like that. And <laughs> exactly. I, I suppose it's like a hard drive failure. It's not if, but when. And exactly. Yeah. But for me, I've just never had that, that issue, uh, take out a whole card of images. So it just hasn't been something that has really been on top of my concern, uh, pretty much ever, but I know for many people it has. Well, and I think it's good that they put them back in because um, that was one of the big criticisms of the first EOS R that they didn't right. have a dual slot. So now the other thing that they brought back is the joystick, right? Um, which, to be honest with you, you know, once I got used to my R, you know, with the what I call the compass uh, buttons, yeah, I, I I really didn't miss it, but it, it will be nice to have back. Sure. And I think also one thing that Lindsay Adler said, she was just like, you know, Canon, you listened to us or something like that. And yeah. the the thing about it is we have seen in the industry a lot of people shifting to Sony, maybe going to others, but Sony has been kind of the 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 big takeover, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think there's even more people, and you know, I could be wrong, but I think there's even more people. And I, I guess the re- one reason I say this is, I'm one of those people (laughs) where I didn't switch to Sony. I still have the 5D Mark IV. And so folks who still have the 5D Mark IV or the 6D Mark II or whatever, they're going to, like she said, feel very familiar with this camera. And I have a feeling that people are ready to move to mirrorless now. And you're going to see a lot of people move en masse. I don't think you're going to see anyone hardly come let's say back from sony over to canon i don't think this is going to be something that causes them to shift back but those who kind of kept the faith as it were and held out for a canon uh solution in these regards this is a natural progression and it's going to feel very comfortable and they're going to be ready to take this on and with that upgraded electronic viewfinder you know they're matching what panasonic was is doing in their full frame recent releases somewhat recent releases so to have the 5.7 million dot oled electronic viewfinder is is kind of a it's pretty much a a key element because when i shoot on my sony a6400 or any other uh, mirrorless camera and it has less of a viewfinder that's an experience thing that just like "Mm, I, i don't like it yeah and i have seen it out of the 5.76 and it's like oh so much better. It's just delightful to look at. Well, and I think now that um, if you look at the lineup of the R series, um, you know, you've got the RP at $999. Yeah. The R at $1799. The RA at um, $2499. The R6 at $2499. And now the R5 at $3899. And that's all bodies only. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a good range from, you know, serious hobbyists all the way up to professional levels. In addition, uh, with these new lenses, especially the 100 to 500, and they now have all the lenses covered minus the macro, and they have all the price ranges of the bodies. I mean, I, I think that if 
people are looking to go to mirrorless, I think they have to take a serious look at Canon again because they have really responded and, and come out with all the, the requirements of what people want and what people need. Yeah, I think you're right. And to me on the lenses, one thing I would like to think about switching to and one thing that um, one of their Canon Explorers of Light mentioned, Vanessa Joy, um, I think it was she was the one who likes to shoot a lot of prime lenses. And I think they could still flesh that out a bit more. Certainly the R-series lenses are still nowhere near as, um, uh, you know, mature as their EF lenses by any means, as far as the breadth of what we have available, uh, or even on the Sony side of things and the like. But if they could come out, what what my next goal or desire is, if they could come out with some prime lenses that are just wickedly sharp, kind of like a Zeiss maybe or something like that, mm-hmm. but don't give me the F1.4 or the F2 or, or something like that. You know, I'll handle a 20 millimeter F2.8. That'll be great. I would love, sure. I would love a 20 millimeter F2.8. But you know, when Sigma is coming out with a new lens, it's usually like an F1.4 or an F1.8. And it just makes it so stinking huge that yes. to me, I'm not interested in, in buying that lens because it's just too large. Exactly. And, and if Canon could come out with something like that, that would be my next goal because I would love to, uh, when I first started out, there was a couple of primes that I had and I loved shooting it. Um, that was actually back in my Nikon days. And then when I switched to Canon, I just went zoom. I'd love to go back to at least one or two primes and, and play around with that. Cause when I had that uh, experience with the Fuji system with a couple of primes, it just changed the experience enough for me that, there there was something feeling new about it. There was something that I had yet to explore in my photography. And to add that to my kit would be a really nice thing to do. And right now we can't do that, but eventually I think it'll come out. And so as, as time progresses, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better in that front. Oh, absolutely. But I think at this point they've got um, enough lenses and enough bodies to really cover yes. all of them. I think you're so exactly right. I think I saw online whether some, someone was asking Jeff if, he was going to switch, and he he said it depends. Still, yeah. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to find out what he thinks. Yes, uh, he'll. Uh, I'm sure he'll be on uh, next week. Uh, I would presume, and um, he'll be able to, you know, give us his opinion on this. I think it's probably coming in a little too expensive for his, uh, you know, for for what he's looking for. But you know, who knows? We'll we'll see. I don't think there's any surprises coming out here though. So that's the, that's the thing is I, I think we're getting uh, what we've expected out of this. Absolutely. Now they did introduce um, a new printer. Yes. Um, it was a 13 inch uh, ProGraph Pro 300, which has uh, a new 10 ink um, system and it has uh, what they called enhanced black density and they also have a new matte black ink density um, that supposedly is going to be uh, a much better in terms of getting your blacks correct, which sometimes we struggle with when we're printing. Especially the matte black. Yeah, it, uh, the, the Pro 10 is what I have right now, and it's really good. It's just that um, it would be nice to have even better density for sure. Exactly. Um, and they also... Um, emphasize some new uh, technology in the printer, some skew, skew correction, 
for making sure your paper doesn't um, move around as it's printing. Um, this one I thought was interesting. They had something called a nozzle recovery system, yeah. which will help in, in cleaning um, the heads. And, you know, if one gets clogged, it, the others will take up the slack. And then they can also print up to 39 inches long, yes. um, which was great. Um, yeah, the Pro 10, then, I think, was limited to something like 26 inches on the length. So now we so can go to this might be for 39. those pianos. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they also introduced some new um, papers to go along with this. Um, one I thought was interesting was a rough um, art paper, which probably would be like more like a canvas print, so you can get more of an artistic feel from your prints, which would be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, they showed a nice close-up shot of the texture on that rough paper. And it's something that I suppose it doesn't necessarily excite me a whole lot because I really like Moab and Kansan Infinity papers. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, <laughs> one of those manufacturers probably manufactures this Canon paper. But to have a Canon branded paper is just not something that, quite frankly, I guess, too excites me. But I do like it in in some senses because they usually are more affordable so as i'm testing out a new photo or i'm testing out a new something with my sharpening or other settings that i have going on i will often put it on the canon paper first just to test it out and get a feel for it and then i'll put it on the more expensive paper of course the color could still shift and whatnot you got to make sure you have the right profiles etc but to get those extra uh you know, preview prints out on cheaper paper is definitely a nice thing. And I just, we just don't know what the prices are going to be on that paper yet, but it's just something that is, it's nice to have. I just don't see it as like, Oh, I got to have that kind of a thing. What are your thoughts on this printer? You know, newer, you know, expanded gamut with the newer inks, the Lucia pro, I think is what they're calling it. It's deeper blacks in, in our potentially in our, in our photos. Well, I think, that think? the thing that really would intrigue me is that, I have a problem with the my Epson printers that um, I get a lot of nozzle clogging, oh, um, yeah. and I have to spend a lot of time uh, cleaning them and getting them, you know, realigned and stuff. And I don't know if it's just because of the age of the printer; they're both um, I'm going to go on five years old. Sure. And maybe I just need to get the new one, a newer printer. So that might actually be something that's interesting to me um, because I spend a, too much time doing nozzle cleaning and aligning and then printing. So this, that's the, the one, the nozzle recovery system was kind of piqued my interest. Yeah. Uh, if it helped me spend less time prepping and more time printing, that would be better. Yeah. The idea that it can detect when a, a nozzle is clogged and then the others compensate for it is definitely very nice. And it's just like, um, about time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, exactly. You know, as long as it can also still effectively clean, because uh, I totally hear what you're saying. I used to have uh, here at the school an image prograph uh, IPF 5100, which was a 17 inch wide roll media. And that thing, once it got clogged, forget about it. You could never yeah. open that up. But my Epsons, I was always able to still have it punch through and still clean it out. I might have wasted a lot of ink, but at least I didn't have to spend 500 bucks, no joke, on a print head. So, exactly. and, and that Canon printer had two print heads, but it was usually the matte black that would seize up. So it was nice. You know, now I have the Pro 10. Levi Sim gave me one of these months ago, and that was after months sitting in his garage. 
He's just like, I don't know what it's going to do for you. It, it took me a while to clean it, but it cleaned yeah. out. So there's something oh, that's coming through on these newer printers that's definitely beneficial in the ability to be cleaned and the inks are you know moving through and whatnot. So we have some benefits there. Possibly your problems are would be solved for sure with just a newer printer because number one is going to be new. But you know we have different inks, we have different heads. Uh, newer technology is coming through to help us get these things cleaned. And uh, probably well, definitely, could work I'm going to look at this for for home. Yeah, um, for to replace my Epson at home. Yeah, I think this would be an excellent home printer for sure. I personally still would prefer if I could the 17 inch wide just for greater flexibility of the media roll media and such but you know the the two printers i have are the same model the pro 10 and that's a 13 inch wide and it's they're excellent and at a price of 900 dollars, 899 dollars, i don't see myself going out and getting this right now but when mm-hmm. these uh machines do give out on me uh, i could see this one being a natural uh, progression to to be you know to become my printer in the future absolutely yeah looking good i'm I'm definitely pleased with uh with what they have and and what they've announced and uh i think canon is continuing on the right path um you know there's from what from what you might understand you know i i, I assume i expect i should say we're still going to have a lot of detractors saying, you know, they're still just catching up to Sony and whatnot because, you know, Sony has, uh, what is that, 64 megapixels and on uh, the A7 IV. And what do you think about that resolution? Because the R5 is 45 megapixels and the R6 is 20.2 megapixels. Is that something that even is an issue for you? It's not. Um, I've not had any problems in terms of printing. Or, you know, with, because I have the R right now at 30 megapixels and I have a really good, clear, you know, image. So I I don't think, I think sometimes, you know, you get megapixel, oh, uh, my camera has more megapixels than your camera. And I'm not sure even what that affords you. Yeah. Um, I think the functionality and, you know, the use of the camera with the lenses, you know, if, if a Canon shooter is used to the menu system and used to the dials and used to the different, you know, functionality. I think they're going to stick with the, with the Canon. Um, one of the big things that, um, I was concerned about when I was deciding to stay with Canon or go with Sony was, you know, could I learn that new system and efficiently switch over to it or would be too steep of a learning curve. Um, with the R I just, it was, everything was still in the same place and it was same, types of system and the same, you know, naming systems. And I just felt it was a really smooth transition for me. Um, you know, if you're a Canon shooter currently, let's say you have, a you know, a, a 5D or a 7D um, and you're ready to make the switch over, I think there's enough bodies for you to, to try from, you know, the 20 megapixels all the way up to the 45 megapixels. And with all the different price points, um, you know, you, most people will be able to pop into the system pretty qu- quickly. And you also have to remember too, Canon still has that adapter right. um, to adapt all the old lenses. I ha- I have that adapter cause I still have some old lenses, especially my, um, my lens babies. And there is no problem with that adapter. Everything works wonderful, fine. 
Um, all my older lenses, just there's no lag time. It's just excellent. Um, so again, if you're sh in, shooting an older Canon body and you have all those lenses and you think, oh, I don't want to get rid of it, um, you know, because I, I don't want to go to the, the mirrorless because all of my lenses, there's a stopgap in there. And I've been slowly replacing my lenses. I've been, you know, I got the, initially I had got the 24 to 105. Um, I had gotten the 70 to 200 and I got the 15 to 35 over the last couple of years. I didn't, I couldn't afford it all at once, but I, you know, sold my older lenses and got into the newer lenses. I think that's kind of the idea of what we've been kind of saying is, you know, for, for those who are still Canon shooters, and I know there's millions of people out there, this is just something that they're probably just nodding their head and they're saying, yep, it's time to go. And we're going exactly. to start planning that transition to mirrorless. If they haven't already, they're going to start planning that transition to mirrorless and, and they'll be happy uh, with it and happy for it. All right. Well, Mary, thanks so much for joining us. It's time to close out the show and um, let's, let's remind people of, of a few things, a few announcements and otherwise, where can they find you online and uh, you know, your website, your Instagram, stuff like that. So the best place to find me is on my website and has links to all my social media. Uh, my website is uh, malinconico.design. It's M-A-L-I-N-C-O-N-I-C-O.design. Nice. And that has links to all my social media profiles and stuff. Perfect. So you have one of those dot .design top-level do domains. I did. I, 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 just, I also have the .com, but I've been using that one more. Cool. Um, for my my photography work. So, Very cool. and what about you, you, Brett? Where can we find you? All right. So you can find the show at masterphotographypodcast.com. That's the home of the show notes, etc. And of course, in your in your phone and wherever you play the the show, you can see the the show notes there as well. And then uh, find our Facebook group at uh, you know just search for Master Photography Podcast Facebook group. You'll need to answer uh, a question or two, and that helps us keep out the spammers, the bots, and such like that. And then for me and myself and I, you can find me mostly at my website, just my name, brentbergherm.com. And I had mentioned how I've got a bit of a special going on. Uh, those, and this is good for anyone who has purchased my print class. So, you know, I've got a master photo printing online class and I've made it really easy to purchase again on my website. It's the first thing you'll see when you, when you get there, brentbergherm.com. If you buy it by... July 31 into business day, July 31, which is, I believe a Friday, you'll get a full year's access. Once it's released, you'll get a full year's access to my new service latitude photography school. So if, that, if that's something, you know, you can read all about the course there. Um, there's also a page, a link to the page to sign up for announcements further on latitude photography school. If you want to just go to that, latitudephotographyschool.com will take you to that page where you can give me your email address and then I'll just send you updates as I'm telling you what I'm working on for the school and what's going to be happening there and how it's going to uh, benefit you and and you can make the decision if that's going to be something that you want to look into or not uh, you'll have all the information available to you so uh, if that's well, of interest to anybody like a great deal Brent thanks for doing that for all of us yeah so the the course is 150, but um, uh, you know, I've, I've decided those of you that have that have had faith in me, as it were, uh, I'm going to give a big thank you to those folks uh, who have uh, supported me 
and uh, in my efforts here. And I'm going to continue that idea and just say, you know, if that's something that you've kind of been thinking about or whatever the case is, just know that you're going to get an extra benefit. And the biggest thing I'm working on right now is my create my design and creativity and photography course. I'm really excited about that. It's about the creative process. It's about being able to hone in on your craft and execute and create the photos that you want to create and uh, helping you get there. So uh, that's the first additional course that will be in there. Plus, there'll be a beginner's course and then a few other uh, fun things that are going to be happening there uh, throughout you know, the months as, as we move forward with this new service that I'm rolling out. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you for listening. And Mary, thanks again. We really appreciate well, thanks, you Fred. spending the time. Uh, it's been great to chat with you again. And everyone, have a great time. And we'll see you again in about another seven days.